Theology Thursday. Andrea, my um, non-reformed friend, how are you? <laughs> Good. I, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm at least as reformed as Clyde. Oh, yes. This is, um, we, ended off, <laughs> we ended off talking, um, not yesterday, but on Tuesday. So if anyone's listening, don't, you know, go listen back on Tuesday's thing. We were talking about two kingdoms and the Sabbath thing. And um, we kind of... Did we ever wrap up how that, what that had to do with two kingdoms? Uh, I think it was plain to everyone. You're not in the one <laughs> okay. kingdom, and I am. <laughs> we're oh, we're in Colossians two brothers, again. two kingdoms, and two different destinations. No. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, uh, that's, can't. That's harsh, though. So we'll take that back. Yeah, take it's Driscolian. Driscolian, yeah. draconianism. Yeah. Um, all right, so okay. now, but seriously, yes. let's just do a little quick splurb on the law, and maybe even the Lord's Day. I'm happy with that as well. But um, just the law is a big one, you know. I can't actually believe I haven't done this yet. Yeah, I want some. Which is, it's just a massive deal. Uh, because you mentioned, it is, yes. uh, you know, really the, the thing comes down to the moral law, as we were talking about it. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned, well, we don't, we're not under uh, the moral law in the New Covenant, but the law of Christ. I know that all of my Reformed Baptist guys, brothers are going to recoil in horror at that point. Because yeah, but that's um, not that's not what I said. Okay, say what you said. So I do think I do think there is a moral law. Mm-hmm. I think the moral law is the law of Christ. Um, okay. <laughs> so, so it's different. I'm not saying I'm not saying that we're not under the moral law. Right. No, and that's helpful. So, the, uh, yeah. It's just it, it serves as a, the, <clears throat> what I was going to say though is it serves as just like a, the only people talking mm. like that are usually the new covenant guys. Um, you know, who yeah, are, well, and to be fair, I'm, I, I basically, I'm, I am immersed in a world of New Covenant theology. So yeah, like, so there's a big Carson. Everybody you know, knows a Carsonite. Yes, mm. and and so all of that stuff, you know, and it's just, it's not, it, it just doesn't care about Covenant theology in a Reformed sense at all. And that's fine, you know, each to their own, they can, they can work it out, but it's just, you know, the assumption amongst Reformed guys anyway is that, you know, hey, we are coming into this thing caring about the unity of the of the covenant of grace at some level. So we, we want to know how this works. Um, but now you've just said, um, which is a helpful qualification, that the law of Christ is the moral law. Um, talk to me about that. Okay, so in like um, a, a standard reform system, right, you've got the eternal moral law. Uh-huh. <clears throat> And that eternal moral law gets expressed uh, to Israel mm-hmm. uh, or gets applied to Israel through uh, the Mosaic Covenant, right? So um, it's the Ten Commandments and then the exposition of the Ten Commandments to a whole bunch of other stuff, mm-hmm. right? Uh-huh. Is that fair enough? Um, yeah, what Klein um, says, which then, I think is helpful, is that it, it, uh, it comes to us in forms of covenantal enshrinement. Which is not just the yeah totally the, you know yeah. it's got the whole package there yeah yeah so it's it's the whole exactly so the whole thing given to Moses, including the Ten Commandments, is not simply pure moral law. Mm-hmm. It's the moral law enshrined in the the covenant of works mm-hmm. given uh, given through Moses to Israel mm-hmm. as a theocracy. <clears throat> so then. Um, 
you but I'm, I'm yeah okay and in the same way you have the eternal moral law which is given uh, to the church in the law of christ right right okay um and see that i the law of christ i think i would kind of would say there is not the law of christ but the new covenant enshrinement yeah, and I, okay, I'm happy to go. The law of Christ because, is just almost a bit um, of a tagline for. I can't. I find myself getting caught up on that because I know what those guys mean by that. They mean that actually, it's uh, okay. not the same moral law. It's um, you know, it's a new revamped law. Um, well, it's the law into it's the law given to us, but through the the timeline of the gospel. So, um, in the or, enshrinement uh, of the new covenant, that's a great way to put it. Anything? Yeah, that's, I like that language. I think yeah. that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, so, so, so essentially, um, when, when that comes down to it, like the, there's no real controversy. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm in agreement with reformed theology totally, right. except for one little point, um, <laughs> which is, I guess not so little, but, um, yeah. it's the equation Mm-hmm. of the Ten Commandments as the moral law. Okay. And I th- I think, no, even the Ten Commandments are still enshrined in that Old Covenant language and mm-hmm. Old Covenant form. And then, um, and so it also needs to be interpreted through the gospel for the, for the New Covenant people, but, you know, needs to be brought into the New Covenant. And so some things in the Old Testament some laws obviously cease; they are uh, uh, abolished. They are fulfilled, mm-hmm. <clears throat> like mm-hmm. dietary laws and so. Yeah. Laws uh, change. Um, you know that they are altered slightly, and uh, and some laws continue just unhindered. So it, yeah. it's 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 um, and all of that happens because of the event of. Uh, the new covenant and the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so the, what that comes down to really the nitty gritty of it is to, is exactly how you apply the, the, the fourth commandment. Right. Cause it doesn't actually have any particular, um, it doesn't make any difference to, as far as I can tell anyway, from like classic reform theology, um, apart from you using a slightly day, so I'm not relying quite so much on the, the threefold division of the law, which I think is fair, but just really hard to mediate disputes on. Yeah. You know, yeah. so like, like I say, one guy says tattoo is moral. Another guy says it's ceremonial. Um, you know, there really isn't very easy way to mediate as to who's right exegetically. So um, I, I think that you rely – it's a different kind of working out to get there. You rely less on the threefold system and uh, the application of the fourth command, the Sabbath command becomes slightly more, um, slightly, slightly different um, right. as we were, began to talk about earlier. So I don't well, think even, you apply. Yeah. And I think even as just, a day, military take off from work kind of thing. Right. Okay. Now, you know, just before we get Sabbath, which I think might landslide us on this, um, you know, you've got, I think, I think I like that. And that's, that's Klein still a very ingenious, great, awesome desire to be a little bit. It almost, Klein's view reminds me of um, Anthony Hookham's view of amillennialism in that you had an amillennialism before that, 
But then on comes dispensationalism and premillennialism and all these, uh, you know, emphases on eschatology that the amillennial thing had not yet interacted with and so perhaps was a bit blunt on certain areas. And so, uh, you know, it sharpens it all up and brings it into a more contemporary sort of ability to interact with other views. And I think that um, similarly with, um, you know, the threefold use of the law, it's not so much that um, there's the rejection of the principles, as you're saying, but more just a, a more accurate way to go about finding how the thing moves forward in its unity. And so, like, for example, yeah. I mean, the obvious issue that everyone's struggled with is even in the moral law and the Ten Commandments, uh, as revealed, I should say, in the Ten Commandments, um, you have, you know, obey your parents and then you'll live long in the land, you know. And, um, yeah, totally. And yeah. so, I mean, everyone automatically knows that if there is any ongoing application, we just don't have a land, so we ain't living <laughs> long in it. And, and so, yeah. you know, we have to kind of automatically get them. Uh, the threefold use of the law has used a, a, a what they've called a positive and moral distinction in every giving of the law, um, and so for starting all the way with Adam, you know he, he was the law was written on his heart, the the the, the whole thing that then the conscience appeals to, and um, that Paul addresses later on. Everyone in Adam knows this law written on their heart because it was written originally on Adam's. It is the same thing as that which was revealed in the Ten Commandments and that which New Covenant Christians um, have rewritten on our hearts in the sense that we now internalize it, we desire to do it, we're obedient to it. And um, and even there with Adam in the garden, you had a positive element attached to it, a covenantal enshrinement, uh, don't eat of the tree, you know. Obviously, that means nothing for us. There's no tree to eat from, uh, you know, and yet that was very much part of the moral law as it came to Adam. Um, and yeah. so, you know, you see right there, I think it's helpful. Same thing if we just jump over to Israel. You've got, uh, as you're saying, the giving of the law um, and its uh, positive aspects. So obey mm. your mother and father, but the positive aspect is you'll live long uh, in the land, the uniquely contextual situation. So you can see there that although Reformed theologians have labored, I think, to distinguish it and, and, and done so in a way that I think works, you know, in that you're just saying all we're saying with the New Covenant and what has typically been said by Reformed theologians is that uh, there is the the positive aspect must change. It must be it must be thought of in a, in a uniquely covenantal sense, a, a new covenantal sense. Um, Klein just came and neatened all that up, I think, and just said, "Hey, well, we need to view it in terms of the um, the, the the actual enshrinement and what the whole covenant says about that law." So I think, yeah, exactly. We're on to, I mean, we're on exactly the same page with regard to all of that. Um, but uh, you know, in terms of, I suppose, the the the, the outworking of it, um, and uh, especially the way it, it goes toward the Sabbath, um, it, it, rather than yeah. you know, I, rather than free you, like I don't think the goal is ever to free you from the essential principles revealed in the Ten Commandments, but more to um, see how those principles are worked out in its individual covenant. Uh, or its respective covenantal uh, context. So again, coming back to the Sabbath thing, I think you know that's a good treatise, and it just again it puts the if we're right about all of that, you can see why the mm. author of Hebrews would say what he said. You know, he's showing them exactly how that ordinance revealed in the law. That's because right. also, I think the other thing is that even though it was just one one contextual enshrinement at, at, at Sinai, it's also true that it was the central 
reference point, you know, because we don't see it revealed externally in Eden, you know, and there's no like listing of them. Um, and likewise with the new covenant, you don't see them relisted, so to speak. Um, and so it seems that that even though everyone understands that there's something going on with the unique contextual enshrinement, uh, it is the central reference point for what is ultimately otherwise unattainable to us in that we don't have access to the abstract moral law of God in God, you know? Um, all no. we have is this codification of it um, at Sinai. And so that that might be something that gives us um, an extra readiness to look at those those moral commandments written in the ten in the two tablets, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so I think you know, yeah, exactly. And that's why you can, as a Christian today, read the entire law, and uh, you can glean many, um, <clears throat> many of the underlying moral principles there. That yeah. Still, definitely apply to Christians, mm-hmm. but the exact application of those, the exact legal outworking of them for a theocracy obviously can't apply to Christians and don't apply to Christians. Um, so, um, you know, th- th- that goes from, <clears throat> from everything from, from dietary laws to, you know, what crops you can grow next to each other and, mm. and, and that kind of thing. Uh, important to get it because otherwise we end up, you know, rushing to Leviticus 19 to talk about homosexuality mm, mm. Um, without actually thinking, well, you know, do I have a consistent way of deciding what there is is moral or not? And someone says, well, it says it's an abomination, but it says mm-hmm. the same thing about shellfish. You've got to, you know, in, there is a sense in which the entire Old Testament law given to Israel was moral for them, you know, mm-hmm. and I guess mm-hmm. it's not, you know, the, the threefold division was never meant to say that it, it was never immoral for them to disobey any of those commands. You right, know, it was always right. immoral yeah. to disobey. Um, and so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about what is obedience and what is disobedience. And mm. so for me, essentially, um, the the law of Christ, um, which is what we are under, mm-hmm. is the same you know, moral law as was in the law of Moses, mm-hmm. um, but without its covenantal garb, without yeah. its covenantal form. Yeah. Um, and which means that obviously there is an enormous amount of crossover. Mm-hmm. And obviously, because the Ten Commandments were the central... Um, Do you think... They were, the, they were the... Yeah. Do you think that... Well, I'm sorry, let me just finish the yeah, sentence. Yeah, perfect, and then. Perfect. So they're, 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 because they were the central things that eventually, uh, that, that essentially underpinned every other command in the in the law. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, therefore, there's a, there's a certain... We can go back with this... Oi. Hello. Yeah, sorry, you cut out. Say that again. Uh, um, yeah, just just that that the the Ten Commandments undergird the whole of the law, and um, and so therefore, because there's enormous amounts of crossover between um, the law and the law of Christ, um, it's no surprise that the Ten Commandments are very very important for Christians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Now, just but when I hear when I hear obey the Sabbath, I don't think. I can't like carry water for a certain amount of time or, um, <clears throat> or even necessarily. Yeah. And I guess this is the, the big division. I'm not even necessarily thinking that it's a day that I have to take off work kind of thing. I'm thinking that it is an event. It, it is Would you say a, it is a, a day? Particular Would you say it is a day um, at all? 
uh, not not the Ten Commandments. Uh, well, what do you mean? In so obviously yes, in in the um, Mosaic Covenant, it was a day sure. for the Christian applying the law. I don't see any application to a day. So when it Apart says from, keep the Sabbath yeah. day, um, you, you're saying it's not even necessarily a day at all. Yeah, I'm saying you, you know you're saying you the day itself a, was linked to the covenantal context. I think keeping the Sabbath day um, is going back to the original creation day. Right. Um, so the mosaic. So so the. So the so you have the you have the so it's the Hebrews whole thing. You have uh -huh. the creation day, right. which is now, not actually a day, right? But it that's that's referring to the state, you know, and I mean that's the that, the it. state yeah, from yeah, yeah. which all days are drawn, as it were. So, like, so I'm just I'm just wondering if that's maybe where the hiccups not not lying yet. Um, but maybe another another way to get at this from from where I'm I'm seeing it. Um, would you yeah. would you see it as possible it, to have? Um, would there need to be ten commandments in the moral law as carries over to the new covenant? Would that would that be necessary? You know, so I'm thinking like, let's say for example, um, you, it sounds like you're going okay. Well, listen, the ten commandments and their associated sort of applications, uh, ceremonial, legal. Um, Civil, um, all uh, were, were contextually specific there, and the moral law that was revealed in that context, um, it, it came across in that way, and we need to constantly keep that in mind. We're under the law of Christ. Uh, but do you think that the, the, the tenness of the Ten Commandments reveals something uh, of the abstract moral law? Uh, that then, if it does, then, of course, it would need to be present in the New Covenant administration of that law. Um, if it doesn't, then, you know, then you could have a complete revamp even of the Ten Commandments, as it were. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So it sounds like what you're getting at is mm -hmm. like, I don't think that Christians have to apply all Ten of the Commandments. Uh -huh. But I do. I do think Christians have to apply all Ten of the Commandments. Okay. Now, apply or obey? Well, obey. Yeah. Okay. Good. Gotcha. All right. So now, <laughs> yeah. you, so you—it's not possible to to ditch one of those. No, you okay. can't. No, you, yeah. you do. You do have to obey them so all because they all are the law of Christ. Okay. They all are a, a revelation of law, um, concretely, in, in, in such a way that applies across the board to all covenant administrations. Yeah. So, I, so in other words, the Ten Commandments. Do reflect the moral law, the yeah. eternal moral law, Good. Um, and they they do reflect. <clears throat> um, they do summarize the eternal moral law. Okay, um, but yeah. they don't do it pure and simple. Like okay. they yeah. are, they are within a mosaic covenant that that give, is given to a a nation, right? State theocracy and so you have to bear that in mind when you're applying it as a new covenant okay person. yeah no i'm just trying to get uh, at how close you're, you're seeing that so like yeah. so when it comes to the, yeah, exactly the fourth <clears throat> commandment like I, i'm seeing okay it's, it's talking about keeping an ordinance not a state you know it's, it's talking about because you got to keep in mind that both of them are looking toward a state for the reason for their being as an ordinance you know um so like mm. keep the sabbath day was looking forward to the sabbath day that would ultimately be fulfilled by the seed of the woman you know 
and um, and so they're keeping it in both self-condemnation to be a tutor to lead them to that Christ, uh, but they're also yeah. leading it to express the hope of the only one that could fulfill, who could work essentially to enter into the Sabbath. So uh, in in that sense, the, the, the day and the state have always been distinguished. And it seems that, that when the fourth commandment reveals uh, a commandment to keep a day for the purposes of honoring that state, um, you know, that would come through in the new covenant um, because it is the revelation of God's law, you know, and moral will for us. Yeah, and I think I think it does come through. Okay. In our individual and corporate celebration of the rest that Christ won for us through the gospel. So just not a day though. No. Okay. Yeah. And 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 I think I and I I I feel, um, um, so I, I feel like it is the right way to go. Um, for a number of reasons. One is because, um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying anything particularly controversial about the 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 coming of the. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not interpreting the Old Testament law in any any particularly novel or uncontroversial way. Mm-hmm. What I am saying is that I'm trying to be a little bit more consistent with the kind of um, taking it through to from Old Covenant to New Covenant thing and the differences that lie therein. And I feel like I'm on the right track with that because... Where um, the differences lie within the way the day is kept rather than the fact that the day is kept? Yeah... Um, I still, I still, I still think that what the, 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 the day, um, isn't ever. It, it so, it's, so. Let me just finish what I was saying because yeah. I think that helps answer that question as well. Because, uh-huh. um, the the whole thing is that when it comes down to the day, mm-hmm. um, you the only mentions of it in the New Testament. It's not just that I'm, it's not just that I'm going for a, it has to be explicitly stated in the new Testament for it to be applicable for mm-hmm. Christians. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's not, it's not as simple as that. It's that actually that when you do get it in the new Testament, it seems to be saying quite the opposite. It seems to be saying the day is insignificant in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, Romans 14, mm-hmm. uh, you know, let each one work according to conscience, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Colossians referring to these, the Colossian era, they observe days and months and seasons and years, even uses the word Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's, it, it, now I, I know that I know the counter argument to right, that. Right. I just, I just not persuaded that it fits. I think actually a, a more natural fit is to say that what New Testament Sabbath keeping looks like mm-hmm. doesn't have to do with the day. It mm-hmm. has to do with the state. It has to do with the event of celebrating that state. Mm-hmm. So the ordinance of Sabbath keeping isn't keeping the day. It's about getting together, like you say, corporately mm. to, um, to acknowledge the rest that Christ has won for us and to enjoy that together. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, I, yeah, totally. No, I see where you come from. Um, the thing is, I think for me, the, the days and the work week and the week and the concept of a week, even from creation itself, as, as the Bible puts it forward as this unifying motif, is all too strong for me to think that that all goes away in the new covenant, you know? But don't you think, that, but don't you think though, that um, that's all got to do with the, 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 the tutelage of the law, the types and the shadows? Oh, totally. So, no, no, no. I mean, the thing is, but I think that's exactly it though. You know, there's always, and this is kind of what I was driving at earlier, in that you've always had, um, 
the I mean, you just think about everything about about the way the new covenant works, right? Do we still have a physical sign? Do we, you know, and seal of the new covenant? I believe we do. You know, I do believe you have circumcision and then baptism. Do we still have a, a an eating of a sacrament? Yes, we still do. You know, all these things stay there. None of them are are, are sort of just randomly added or subtracted, but they all refer to this 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 reason, this theological underlying reason that stays the same throughout uh, even the meeting you know it, it we go from meeting in a certain way to meeting in another way uh, we go but we stay a people that meet and we stay a people you know they focus on the mountain through the blood sacrifice uh, we do all of those things now coming to uh, their fulfilled state all of those things stay the same in their practice but they're the, 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 they change only in their outworkings based on the reality of fulfillment. So, you know, again, like we wouldn't baptize infants because there's no more typology, but we still baptize. Uh, again, we, you know, just uh, more, more examples like, like that to just kind of draw home the point. So I think, you know, you have this, this, this over, overlying kind of uh, unifying theological reality in, the, in the, the creation work week. Maybe this is particularly strong for me believing in the literary framework for you as well, because I think that's the entire point of this. Um, but, but, you know, you've got this, this, this motif that's set up as the reason and that your, your understanding of that being fulfilled is never going to affect whether there is a practice or not. It's going to affect how that practice works. So, um, you know, for, I see a great unity there. It's especially even, you know, if, if it was kind of odd that, well, now we're just worshiping on a Sunday. That's pretty random. But, you know, maybe I would I would think, okay, well, what have we missed? But the fact that we we have the whole point of, of working to enter into rest on the last day of the week is now, is now uh, you know, switched over to beginning rest in the first day of the week and working out of that and the way that then syncs up to gospel realities. It's just, it's profound, you know. It's all just too profound for me to think that that's by accident, you know. I get that. It's just that you could easily say that that teaches of the law is completed now. So like, you know, well, in the same way that you don't have I to think, go through the repetition of sacrificial systems because there's a once for all, you know, once completed sacrifice. And you don't have to go through the repetition of work and rest because there is a once and for all completed rest. I think I think that yeah, seems so to be the of the law and ordinance. I think I'm wanting to distinguish. You know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah. So but I'm I don't saying think there is the tutelage of not, the ordinance. I'm just not saying. I don't think the tutelage of the ordinance is is now complete, and that, that that's quite a big thing, because um, okay. again, like you know, again, coming back to Hebrews, there remains for us a Sabbath keeping ordinance. The idea there is based on the law. There now remains an ordinance. You know, um, and yeah. you don't think it's odd though that whereas. Every other um, of the Ten Commandments is explicitly stated this isn't. And whereas every other see, of I think the Ten Commandments I think I see where we're overlapping. I think where you are saying, don't you think it's odd that that uh, we're keeping a day still? I'm saying with that same weirdness that it would be odd if we're keeping uh, activities of rest on that day. That's what, you know, activities of physical rest at least, you know. Uh, rather than focusing on spiritual realities in church, so the Sabbath day is completed in uh, is fulfilled um, in the going to church, um, and you know I, th- so so I think that's where we're sort of overlapping, or, or you know that that's what you're sort of applying to that whole 
Uh, I, I'm not seeing any of that that Old Testament tutelage in terms of spelling out the need for physical rest uh, come through. Um, and and uh, I'm just saying that the day itself seems to be in a different category entirely. That's part of the whole framework, as it were. And um, it, it seems to be a, an essential substance of the commandment rather than a contextual application of it. See what I'm saying? No. You don't? No. No, I don't, no. Well, I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't really understand. So at first, I thought I was getting it because you were saying that it's not. I'm saying it's not the, it's not the day. It's the ordinance. I'm, it's it's not the day. It's the it's the event, the activity. And you're saying, it's not the activity. It's the day. See, Is that right? See, in the Old Testament, right? You have a day in which this must a certain a prescribed activity must take place, right? Yeah, uh, that's yeah. so. The day is prescribed in the fourth commandment, right? Um, yeah, the activity is prescribed in the application of that in the specific specific contextual stuff. So, like, don't pick up stuff, don't okay. whatever, you know. And that, yeah, that yeah, okay. that's a big difference, yeah. right there. Fourth rest, know? yeah, okay. you know. And and so the the day itself comes through. The activity, of course, is what Hebrews is telling us changes. Yeah, and look, I I would totally. Um, I, well, I, I am sympathetic to that, and mm. I do think it's it's a fairly strong argument. So let me just say that I'm not I'm not um, I'm you know I'm, I I can see it. I right. can see that it's there, and yep. I can see that how how you get there, and I do think it has some force behind it. Right. Um, <clears throat> the the thing that makes me think that maybe it's not right is the way that the day is specific, specifically dealt with in the New Testament. Isn't it, um, isn't it kind of weird? just as a thought on that though? Isn't it interesting yeah. that there is an emphasis on a day, like regardless historically, if you want, you know, the fact that they did. <laughs> you see, now that's just the what, you mean the Lord's Day, the Lord's Day, right? Yeah. So I mean, like you know, maybe all of this would. Do you see what I'm saying though? Like the fact that you're reading about a day that they're kind of worshiping on, and oh wow, seems to be this day that's quite important and historically turns into this thing, and now is like Sundays. Yeah, I it just is that yeah, coincidental, okay. really? Uh, well, I mean, I think and of that, all the days um, that Christ could rise, have you thought about that? I mean, is that just a coincidence that he rose on a Sunday? Um, you're gonna have to explain that one to me, right? Well, you know, Christ rose on the first day of the week, right? So, as in, like. He, I mean, isn't that profound? <laughs> you know, like it was all planned. You know, it's like it's again in this framework that uh, we be- he earned for us the rest that we have failed to enter into, and so begins our rest on the first day. So it's showing us the new covenant. It's essentially a, a work week code for what the new covenant is, which I just find amazing, considering God made the work week in Genesis. Do you know what I mean? It's not like an accident that that happened. I don't think God made the work week in Genesis. That's, I guess, the, the difference. Well, the concept of seven. Or didn't prescribe the work week in Genesis. Let's put it that way. Well, okay, maybe work week's the wrong word, but there's seven days in Genesis, right? Seven days of creation is what I'm talking about. And then yeah, but I you, think the, the idea is like that you, you don't think it's like our days. No, I think that's the whole point. The whole point of the and I'm like like you, I'm framework hypothesis. I don't think they are days. I think they're in, you know at best analogous to our days, analogous or whatever. Uh, okay, but uh, yeah, but, uh, but um, the analogous part then is what I'm I'm talking about. The you know obviously there's there's a meaningful analogy to us uh, in our 
in our um, you know so you're saying that in in using an analogy is using an, a pre-existent uh, concept of seven days well, well I mean obviously yes I mean obviously when when Israel you know when Genesis is is given to the people it's given to the people of Israel who didn't they so even though the the actual revelation of what was going on in Genesis would have been an ancient part of Israel's culture. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual written down Genesis one account would have been heard and read by Israelites who already were keeping a seven day week. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's say, let's leave us, uh, even that'll do for me, you know, the fact that God then uses that <laughs> is yeah, to, to build well, this that, theological framework that is just <clears> the, <throat> the introduction to the Bible and the point of the gospel, isn't it? But I think it's the all whole point of the Genesis. No, but the whole point of the Genesis, the Genesis thing, is that the Sabbath day isn't a, isn't a day like the other days. No, it's, it's, not, the, it's, it's not. It's the culminating gospel. That's the point. It's the yeah. Uh, no, this, I'm, I'm agreeing. Yeah. So he's, so, so, so God's saying, "Here I am. Here's how you get to me. Look, you can't get to me. Look, you can't get to me again." And Jesus gets to me. And look, he's earned it for you, and he he is risen on the first day. You know what Gil said about that? He's, it's the eschatological Sabbath, in that it's the Sabbath of the new creation. Uh, you know, the, the 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 reality of of his resurrection at that point. So it's just like, I mean, that that's powerful. It's all. Yeah, too... but I agree with all that. I don't understand how that affects it either way, though. Well, like, just so, again, I'm just saying, I, like I... the reality of a day it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. You know. Um, and so I, I just all I'm saying is it's just interesting that they did did keep a certain well, day, I'm saying, and it was that day, not the Tuesday. Uh, you know, it wasn't a Wednesday. It was a day that Christ rose, which you know is the whole point of the whole creation work week. Okay, but you also have to factor in, you know, factor in the whole the silence of it in any explicit form in the New Testament or any prescribed form in the New Testament. And you also have to factor in the negative talk, not negative, but the 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 explicit teach specific days being holy and the Sabbath day in particular as not being required obedience for Christians. Yeah, so I mean like... like how almost, do you factor that in? A different exegetical uh, uh, argument, yeah, but um, yeah, no, I don't think that's talking about the the, the Sabbath at all. Um, but I realize it's, it's going to take yeah. us down a track that we don't have really time for in this one. But um, well, yeah. I guess I guess because that, that, that I lost faith in that argument basically. So that was the <clears throat> okay. So uh, that becomes know, quite I'd, important I'd, then. It is very important, I think, because yeah. um, ultimately the the only way we can test all of these great overarching narratives is mm-hmm. whether they actually touch the text, yep, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. So like, um, the only, the only way of keeping our systematics and covenant theologies and biblical theologies in check is to see if they actually have any grassroots level application. And I think that that's, that's where it became a problem for me. So right. that's good. Um, so what we've done yeah. is we've just given ourselves another theology. <laughs> so that's good. Let's that's keep that on ice and, uh, keep, uh, turn this into a cliffhanger. That'll be good. I mean, we might still not agree at the end, but you know, at least we've kind of, de- um, set out the, the limiters of the conversation and just where we do agree and all that, which is helpful and, uh, hopefully helpful to anyone listening in on this. And then we can go, you know, look, I mean, to me, I suppose I had totally bought into that argument. So it's become less of a thing for me, but I think I can see how that would, if Paul's saying, Hey, don't worry about any day, <laughs> you know, the, the whole thing does become a bit moot at, at that level. So probably that is a good one to go into uh, with some 
greater depth. Um, let's do that next time. What do you reckon? One time. All yeah, right, cool. good idea. All right. Hey, sorry, that was a bit long. No, it wasn't that long. That's looking about right. All right. Thanks for joining us. And tomorrow, Philosophy Friday. <laughs>